You're listening to Terrible Omens. I'm Elaine Gray. Chapter 8 Sometime before dawn, I woke up. Darren was asleep next to me. He was sprawled on his back with his mouth slack and open, snoring. The stench of stale beer wafted into the air with every exhalation. The look of him turned my stomach. He looked like a sweaty, naked, asshole frat boy sleeping off a kegger. He had been drunk before. In fact, he had been an asshole drunk before, but this was the first time I saw him exactly this way. And I hated it. I hated everything about him. All the stupid, childish things that I had ignored because he was just having a good time or letting off some steam had resurfaced and congealed into the smelly blob lying next to me. I had never felt anything like this before about anybody. I hated him. I hated him and I hated his mother. Even though Earl had tried to calm things down, I hated him too. I was angry. I was hurt. I was alone. And I was trapped. The night before, I could hear their conversation clearly enough. It wasn't as much of a conversation as it was just Charlene blathering on about all the ways I had ruined their family and their holiday. I heard her scream that I was the devil and that I was evil and that Darren should divorce me. They just let her go on. Occasionally, Earl would say, dear, in varying degrees of emphasis and emotions, but mostly he just remained quiet. It was unbearable. I couldn't believe this was happening. I knew that what I had written was awful. That was the whole reason I wrote it down. I needed those feelings to pass. I knew that they were irrational. I handled them the best way I could short of talking to a shrink. We had no money for that anyway. We didn't even have enough money for a blank notebook. Darren hadn't even tried to stay neutral. He had just told me what I wanted to hear to get me to do what he wanted, and then he turned on me. He called me a liar. He said I was a liar for not telling his mother to fuck off and leave me alone. He said that I was a liar for not telling his mother that I didn't like the food she cooked for us for free. He said that I was a liar for not shouting about how offended I was when she said everyone from the South was stupid and that she didn't want her grandchildren to talk funny. He said that I should only talk to him about my feelings, that nobody keeps a journal, and if I do, then I'm just hiding things from him. He said that when we got married, we became one, not two separate people, one person, and I shouldn't keep thinking only about myself. It was a punch right in the gut. No one told me that a vow of marriage meant giving up myself and my basic civil rights entirely. Darren had said that he loved my independence and self-reliance. I thought he married me because he loved and respected me. No matter how we started, in that moment, I couldn't trust him. I wanted out. I wanted to run as far away as I could, no matter the consequences. I wasn't welcome there anymore. Charlene obviously didn't want me there. She called me the devil, for God's sakes. It wasn't as if she was unclear about her feelings. Every fiber of my being wanted out. It was like the universe was whispering intently in my ear, telling me over and over again to go. I ran a mental inventory of my personal possessions, where they were, and how much I thought I could shove into my car before anyone woke up. My bags were still packed. I was still dressed. I hadn't even been in that house for a full 24 hours yet. I had a window of opportunity. I should take it. I could do it. This was it. 
As the first gray light of the day started to creep into the room, I made my move. Cautiously, I picked my way over Darren's sprawling body. The bed squeaked and bounced with the slightest movement, causing him to stir and sputter slightly before slipping back into his rhythmic snore. Once my feet were on the floor, I froze. All of the practical things I thought I would need and all of the things that Charlene could destroy went firing through my head. My certificates, my licenses, that damn green notebook, my old photos and videos, gifts from my dead grandparents, irreplaceable keepsakes, the tangible remains of my entire life story were held hostage in that house. I knew that I had to liberate what I could in the little time I had left. Maneuvering quietly in that tiny room was a challenge. No matter how careful I tried to be, everything made a noise. I squatted down and opened the plastic file box that housed all of our critical documents. Usually, I kept things like that perfectly organized, but this time it was a mess. I couldn't be sure if I had let it get that bad or if Charlene had rifled through it while we were gone. Either way, it was a mess. I started panicking. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't make sense of what I was looking at. Fuck it, I thought. Just take the whole thing. As I reached for the lid, I lost my balance and rocked backward hard against the dresser. What are you doing, Darren said as he sat straight up like a corpse with rigor mortis. Holy shit, I whispered hard. My heart jumped into my throat. Darren stared at me with wide, unblinking eyes. I hadn't thought this part through at all. Uh, I was just going through some things. I didn't want to wake your parents. Happy New Year, he said. Um, yeah, Happy New Year, I said in return. That was weird. I was hoping that he was just talking in his sleep. I'm sorry about last night, he said stiffly and without blinking. Also weird. I looked at him without saying anything in return, hoping he would collapse backward and start snoring. Really? I'm sorry, he said as he blinked and swung his legs off the side of the bed. Shit, I thought. We both sat there in silence for what felt like forever. I felt like I should say something, but nothing seemed right. Finally, I pushed out, why, in a low voice. It was the only thing that came to mind that didn't involve a string of profanity in one way or another. Darren flung himself onto the floor in a burst of movement. He crawled toward me on his hands and knees and positioned his face right in front of mine. His eyes were wide and intense. I'm sorry, he said slowly. His eyes darted back and forth from my right eye to my left eye. Why, I said again with more defiance. You know why. No, I don't. Tell me why. Because we're married, he said. I waited for more words to follow. That couldn't really be all he had to say about it. When it was clear he was waiting for me to speak next, I said, That's it. It was really more of a statement than a question. That's everything, he answered right away. We're married. We should be together on these things. Now I was sure he was awake. He couldn't be that intentionally vague in his sleep. It had to be a trick. So, I started cautiously. You get that you should have backed me up in there last night. We're married, so yes, his face was still inches from mine. His eyes were still darting back and forth. So, do you think this was my fault or not? I wanted him out of my face. 
It was your fault, but Ma should have let it go, he replied instantly, puffing more stale beer breath at my nostrils. In the car you said it wasn't my fault. He considered this for a second. You should never have written that down, he said insistently. I can't go through this again. I crawled backward up the front of the dresser to get away from his face. Darren sat back unsteadily. Just admit that you shouldn't have done it, he said with exasperation. I recoiled. I'll admit that I should never have pushed for us to move here. I'll admit that I should never have left it here, but I will never admit that I shouldn't have done it. I want this to be put to bed, he said, ignoring what I just said. So do I, I insisted. It was an honest response, even if my idea of putting it to bed looked really different from his. Okay, then, he said, like we had reached an agreement. I told Ma that she needs to apologize to you and that you would apologize to her and that we would end it. I apologize yesterday, I pushed back. And where's my notebook? Ma's keeping it, he said, like it was obvious. It's not hers to keep, I insisted. Don't worry about it, he said dismissively. I'm already worried about it, I said. I've been worried about it. He stood up and grabbed his pants off the floor. It was my notebook anyway. I told her she can have it, he said flippantly. I need breakfast, he said and left the room. This was insane. I wanted to leave, but the window for fleeing in the dark of night had closed. If I went now, there would be a scene and a fight. If I left now, he could shut off the credit cards before I made it to the first gas station. He could have even disabled my phone if he wanted to. He had insisted that everything be in his name or both names at the very least. I hadn't thought a thing about it before that moment. I was so tired. I didn't even know if I could drive. I should have driven away in the dark, consequences be damned. At 2 a.m., I was so certain. Now I wasn't. Needless to say, I stayed. The rest of that day was a strange combination of angry silence and uncomfortable small talk. Charlene hardly came out of her room all day. When she did, she would sigh and fling her lump of a body into her chair in the kitchen where she would pass the time by smoking and sighing. From time to time, she would accept a New Year's Day phone call which gave her a chance to tell the story to even more people and then ask them over and over again if they could believe it. Each time, the story got a little longer and a little more dramatic. By night, it sounded like I had plastered large font copies of everything all over the wall and then danced naked around a bonfire in the middle of the living room floor. On the upside, the more she talked and the more the story changed, the angrier Darren got. Even Earl couldn't take it anymore. He stopped giving her the phone, but thanks to caller ID, she just called them back. The days that followed were mostly the same. Darren and I tried to stay away from the house as much as we could. Inside the house, I kept to myself and tried to stay out of sight. Charlene's story mutated every time she rehashed it, making it harder and harder for Darren and Earl to agree with her. As the week went on, her version of things barely resembled the actual events, which left Darren no choice but to defend me, which, of course, prompted Charlene to pull out the notebook and start reading it aloud as a diversion, which sent Earl skulking into whatever room was farthest away from all of it, which, of course, resulted in a round of crying and wailing from inside a fresh wall of cigarette smoke. Oh yes, and don't forget the mandatory family dinner at the kitchen table every single night. To be blunt, 
The whole thing was one big shit show. This went on for two whole weeks before Charlene broke it for good. All it took was one final phone call with Wallcat to send her into a full-on, eyes-rolling-into-the-back-of-her-head, pea-soup-spewing, life-altering rant during which she pronounced to Darren, She's the devil, she's the devil, and topped it off with, Divorce that bitch. I wasn't in the room for that one, but I heard all of it just the same. She was a tad loud when she was crazy. From down the hall, I heard Darren's breathing getting harder before he burst out loud enough to shake the walls. Enough! That's enough! I can't take it anymore! Charlene barely hesitated for half a second before screaming at the top of her lungs. It's never gonna be enough! Why are you letting her do this to me? That devil bitch is ruining our family! Ma! Right now, you're the one ruining our family! She's done everything you've asked! You've treated her like shit, and she's still here trying to make you happy for me. I can't take it anymore. This shit is over. It's only over when I say it's over, Charlene said as she started up again. You're living in my house. Dear, Earl interjected sternly. Charlene shrieked. If you don't divorce her, then you're a liar, just like she is. Dear, Earl interjected again. Darren instantly became eerily calm. That's great, Ma. Charlene must have expected that the word liar thrown directly at Darren instead of me would have been enough to buckle him at the knees. She must have thought he would end things with me right there. I know that's what I thought was coming next. I had already started packing my bags. Instead, after a long, wordless pause, Darren stormed down the hall to our room and slammed the door behind him. Pack everything, he said. We're leaving in the morning. I was frozen in place. Can we stay with your parents, he asked. I'm sure. How are we going to move everything? It had taken a U-Haul and two cars to get everything out of Iowa. We will take what we can and come back for the rest when we find our own place, he said with a certainty that I hadn't heard from him in quite a while. Are you sure, I asked. The whole thing had been a wild and gut-wrenching ride. If he left with me, things with his mother would never be the same. Without hesitation, he said, I'm sure. Do you love me? Yes. Do you still love me? Yes. He dropped his gaze to the floor. Can you forgive me? Yes. Then I'm sorry, he said as he looked up at me. I thought the journal was bad, but you stayed, and you took everything she threw at you. You did that for me. Nobody deserves this shit. I can't stay here anymore. You don't want a divorce? I asked. No hint of sarcasm or defiance was left in me. No, I don't want a divorce, he shot back with panic. I love you. You are my wife. My fucked up mother doesn't get to ruin that. I love you too, was all I could say. Charlene might never know how close she was to getting her wish. Only a few seconds before, I was ready to walk out the door and never look back. She just had to keep pushing, and it blew up in her face. Despite all of the doubt and hatred that had been going through my head for the last two weeks, in that moment, he chose me. I knew that he loved me, and the rest of it didn't matter. Charlene had driven Aaron back to me. Thanks to her, he remembered that he loved me. Thanks to her, he said that he was sorry. She gave me my husband back. And thanks to her, we left. 
Our marriage was mortally wounded on that awful day in Verona. It was where it should have ended. It's hard to admit that Charlene was right, at least about the divorce part. That New Year's Eve alone should have been enough to send me screaming into the night. It should have ended it for me. For God's sake, she called me a bitch and the devil. Opinions are mixed on my bitch status, and I assume that if I really am the devil, someone would have told me by now and there would have been a blood sacrifice on one of my birthdays or something. I should have let Charlene win the fight, so I could celebrate winning the war as I drove southward on my own toward a better future. But I didn't. I thought it was love that saved our marriage that day. It wasn't. It was only my ego and my childish belief that love can overcome all obstacles.